Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. I am coming to you solo as I am here in New York City, getting ready to head out to see the first post-opening performance of Merrily We Roll Along on Broadway. If you want to hear all about my trip, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon, and subscribe to the mezzanine tier or above, and you can hear all of my travelogue episodes. By the time you hear this, there will be another one in the podcast feed talking about my first day or so in New York City. But as I mentioned on yesterday's show, we have a little bit of an unusual situation with Merrily We Roll Along. It officially opened on Tuesday but it had its red carpet festivities on Sunday night, so the reviews were actually embargoed for Tuesday morning. So they started to come out throughout the day on Tuesday, and we're gonna run through those for you now. But as a reminder, Merrily We Roll Along is playing at the Hudson Theater, currently scheduled to play through March 24th. It is directed by Maria Friedman and is choreographed by Tim Jackson. This is the first Broadway revival of the show written by George Firth and Stephen Sondheim. It has an incredible cast of stars, including Jonathan Groff as Franklin Shepard, Lindsay Mendez as Mary Flynn, Daniel Radcliffe as Charlie Kringis, Crystal Joy Brown as Gussie, Katie Rose Clark as Beth, and Reg Rogers as Joe. As of recording time, review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 10 different reviews. All 10 of them are positive. If you are unfamiliar with the show, this is how the press notes describe it. Featuring one of Sondheim's most celebrated and personal scores and moving backwards in time, Merrily We Roll Along charts the turbulent relationship between three lifelong friends, played by Daniel Radcliffe, Jonathan Groff, and Lindsay Mendez, and traces every milestone of their lives for nearly two decades as they navigate success, show business, and unbreakable bonds. We'll start off with Jesse Green from the New York Times, who did make the show a critic's pick, writing, quote, Maria Friedman's unsparing direction and a thrillingly fierce central performance by Jonathan Groff have given the show the hard shell it lacked. Now heartbreaking in the poignant sense only, Merrily has been found in the dark. Speaking of the performances, he said, quote, Radcliffe's wit and modesty, combined with Mendez's zing and luster, provide perfect settings for what is now, as it has never been previously, the inarguably central performance. Groth, always a compelling actor, here steps up to an unmissable one. With his immense charisma turned in on itself, he seems to sweat emotion, ambition, disappointment, and, most frighteningly, a terrible frozen disgust. I don't know whether that's what Firth intended, but Sondheim is brutally clear about the insidiousness of great talent. It eats everything it can find, eventually including itself. Who says it's lonely at the top, he sings, amid the end-stage cynicism of his loveless Bel Air party. I say, let it never stop. What a strange and daring thing for the great and greatly missed Sondheim to dramatize, and for Friedman to forefront. I'd call it heartbreaking if the result weren't finally such a palpable hit. The great Sarah Holdren, writing for Vulture, said, quote, With their irresistible energy and chemistry, Mendez, Groff, and Radcliffe lift merrily up, yet keep it grounded with real apparent affection and emotional heft. They are the ones reviving the play by revealing and jumpstarting its heart. Chris Jones, writing for the New York Daily News, said, quote, Merrily is even better than it was at the New York Theater Workshop. Its essential intimacy has been retained and it has deepened considerably as shows that so depend on the relationship of the act as shows that so depend on the relationship of the actors often do. Matt Winman, writing for AM New York, said, quote, The production, which has received a few significant visual and musical upgrades since its off-Broadway debut, is probably the most convincing, coherent, and compelling rendition of Merrily to date, making it the best candidate for its Broadway return. For the show's many devoted fans, of which I am certainly one, this production is not just a triumph, but a homecoming and a vindication. 
Tim Tiemann writing for The Daily Beast said, quote, The joy of the show is watching Radcliffe, Mendez, and Groff together because they are quite visibly having the time of their performing lives. If you'd like to read more of these and other reviews, you can check out both the Did They Like It and Broadway World Review roundups in the show notes. All right, let's get into some news. Yesterday, we learned what Grace alluded to in an episode of Today on Broadway last week, that Jordan Fisher will be taking over the role of Orpheus in the Broadway production of Town next month when Reeve Carney ends his tenure there. Fisher will begin performances at the Walter Court Theater on November 20th, the day after Reeve ends his run. I will just say, Jordan Fisher doesn't have the best track record of showing up to the show, so if you are specifically going to see Jordan Fisher, make sure that he is in when you're going, because at Hamilton, Dervin Hansen, and Sweeney Todd, he was often not in, so just be careful of that. He did do a very cool video on social media where he's singing a song from Hadestown. It is not one that Orpheus sings, but you can check that out. It is very cool, very fun. Yesterday, we also got news about some additional casting for the upcoming Encores season, and there are some pretty big name stars that'll be heading over to New York City Center. Starting off with Once Upon a Mattress, which we already knew was going to star Sutton Foster, Michael Urie has been announced to be playing Prince Dauntless, which is very, very fun. That is going to be playing New York City Center from January 24th through February 4th. Then for Jelly's Last Jam, which is going to be running February 21st through March 3rd, that will feature Tony winners Billy Porter and Jakina Kalakongo, along with original cast members Mamie Duncan Gibbs, Stephanie Pope Lofgren, and Allison M. Williams reprising their roles as the Honeys. Then from June 12th through the 23rd, we will have Titanic that will star Bonnie Milligan as Alice Bean. Obviously, more casting will be announced as those productions draw close, but pretty heavy hitters to be joining the season thus far. We also got news yesterday that Shocked is going to be heading out on its national tour starting in the fall of 2024. It'll begin performances in Providence, Rhode Island before hitting 30 different cities across North America including Atlanta, Austin, Buffalo, Chicago, Dallas, LA, Orlando, which I'm very excited about, St. Louis, Washington, DC, and of course, Tampa. It couldn't go out on tour and not go to Tampa, right? Like, like that would almost be sacrilegious. I thought about going and seeing it again on this trip, so I'm ecstatic to know that it is going to be coming to Orlando in 2024-2025. All right, real quick, I want to run through last week's Broadway grosses. Things were very, very good for Broadway last week, potentially because of the long holiday weekend that we had. But we saw a 17% increase in the overall grosses to come in at $26,973,476. Attendance increased only 6%, which is considerably less than the 17% increase in grosses. But there were 211,869 people in Broadway theaters last week. The average ticket price rose 10% to come in at $127.31. And unsurprisingly, when these things happen, you can generally tell that families and tourists coming in because the shows that had the biggest jumps were the family-friendly ones. Wicked saw more than a $500,000 increase to come in at $1,926,142. The next biggest increases were both Lion King and Harry Potter, which were just both over $398,000. Back to the Future at nearly $300,000. And then MJ and Aladdin, both over $250,000. Despite that nice increase, Wicked was only the second highest grossing show on Broadway last week. Of course, The Lion King led the way with $2,321,581. Wicked, as I said, was in second, Hamilton in third, followed by MJ and Sweeney Todd, again, just seven performances, coming in in fifth place. The rest of the shows north of $1 million were Aladdin, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Moulin Rouge, Back to the Future, Merrily We Roll Along, which saw a pretty big dip because of all the people that they had to invite for opening. 
but still for seven performances at basically at one and a quarter million dollars. Then you had Anne Juliet and the Book of Mormon rounding it out. Six was just on the outside looking in. Interestingly enough, Merrily was the only show on Broadway last week that saw a decline in its overall grosses. And as I said, that is not a surprise with a show that is selling as well as it is that when it had to put aside so many comps for opening week that it saw a decline. So overall, a very good holiday weekend for Broadway. All right, and let's wrap up with a feel-good recommendation. We have a new trailer from the Color Purple movie musical adaptation. I am in New York. You can hear maybe the uh, sirens going on on uh, 37th Street where I'm staying. But anyway, the new trailer for the film adaptation of the musical adaptation of The Color Purple. It features Fantasia Barino, Danielle Brooks, Taraji P. Henson, and others. And the trailer actually lets you know that it's a musical because we have Taraji P. Henson singing Push the Button. So this is very fun. As we've talked about before, The Color Purple will be hitting movie theaters on December 25th. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt. Have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.